Pastor Mark. Thank you, Bill. Good morning. Good to be with you this morning. Uh, greetings from Forest Baptist. Um, we're uh, generally interested in, in how things are going with you folks and with, uh, with Pastor Steve, and, and it'll be good to bring a, a bit of an update to them. Communication. Some of those challenges that uh, happen. Sometimes what we think are easy and simple things to understand are not always easy, easy and simple for us all. Thus, the challenge of communication. I heard a story of a, a young lad who was in Sunday school, and he was learning about how God had created all that is. And uh, he was particularly interested in the arrival of Eve. And, um, and he, as the week was, was progressing, he, uh, his mother walked in on him in the living room and he was laying on the floor and he, she said, What's wrong? And she, he says, I've got a pain in my stomach. I think I'm having a wife. <laughs> we don't always understand, do we? I would invite you to turn to Psalm, Psalm 100 this morning, a, a psalm of praise. It contains seven great imperatives essential for the heart of the devoted follower. An imperative is defined as something that should not be avoided, a necessity. Note that these imperatives, as I read this psalm, shout to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. He has made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This morning I would like to direct your attention or concentrate your attention on really the fourth essential imperative. Know that the Lord is God in verse 3. Let me suggest that this imperative confronts us with two responses. The first one, we are warned against a great peril. And the second one, we are invited to make a, a response to God that will be beneficial. So first, we are warned of a peril. The peril of forgetting that the Lord is God. It might help to understand that I grew up in the 60s and 70s. It was decades of rebellion and unconformity. It wasn't just in society. 
or school or government, it infiltrated the church as well. And songs that became popular during those had little theology in them, such as heavenly sunshine. What, what does that mean? I, uh, you may remember the song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Going to Let It Shine. A little child asked for the group to sing that, but couldn't remember the title. And so in thinking of what it might mean, said, let's sing Smoking in the Corner. <laughs> and good for the teacher to diagnose what he was actually asking for. In a fashion of prayer, it changed as well as God was approached more as a friend or a buddy than Almighty God. And I was swept along with this, knowing that we are invited, while well, we know that God is a, a friend of sinners, and that, uh, that there was the encouragement to be very casual with God. And in so doing, treasure the fellowship, but lack the respect. Though our children, we have four children, and though they are all grown, and, and uh, many of them have become parents of their own, our relationship is close. But they've never spoke to me or of me that I know in a disrespectful way. We can be close in the relationship, any relationship, but hold on to that respect, treasure that respect, endear that respect. And that's what God wants of us, to, to hold on to, to a wonderful, godly relationship, but always in an attitude of respect. He is Almighty God. Let me share something that I read recently. The last thing I want to encourage is disrespect for Almighty God. Our God is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, perfect, infinite, eternal, holy, pure, just, good, true, faithful, loving, and kind. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is unchanging. He is majestic with a glory that human eyes cannot stand to look upon him. More mere words cannot begin to describe his perfection, beauty, and wonder. We must stand in awe, but this wondrous God is my father, my papa, my dad. Paul says so in Romans 8 where he writes that his spirit cries out, Abba, Father. What an amazing opportunity we have of knowing Almighty God in such an intimate and personal way. I love that song that you sang. I didn't know it before about He Knows My Name. He knows us. He walks with us. He understands us. 
He, he, he values us. Each of us face the dangers of forgetting that God really is God and that he is alive and available and even desires to work in and through us. It is, it is reported that on one occasion in Martin Luther's life, his wife came to him dressed in mourning and with a very solemn and sad look upon his, on her face. When Luther inquired concerning her dress and her manner, she replied that evidently God must be dead and that she was mourning his departure. Luther was shocked by this strange be behavior of his wife. And then she revealed to her, then she revealed that she had dressed this way in a manner to shock him out of his mood of depression and discouragement and to encourage him to put his trust in a living God. I hope Martin Luther thanked the Lord for his wife. The Egyptians refused to believe the God of Moses was the true God and a plague that took the firstborn of that nation who lived in Egypt, whose doorpost was not marked by the blood of the lamb, died. The plagues that were demonstrated through those ten plagues were not just a demonstration of power and authority, but each of them challenged one of the gods of the Egyptian gods and showed that the God of Israel was a superior God. During the days of Elijah, the children of Israel neglected and 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 regarded their true God as not theirs or got distracted from their worship of God. They drifted into idolatry and gave themselves to the worship of false gods. You know the story on top of Mount Carmel. There was a, a great confrontation, a great challenge presented by Elijah that, that the prophets of Baal were to offer a sacrifice to Baal and, and he and he alone would offer a sacrifice to, to, uh, to God. And the God who would answer by fire, let him be God. And there was 450 prophets of Baal who who cried out to Baal for the lion's part of the day, and yet nothing happened. And then it was Elijah's turn. And he, he had his sacrifice, he prepared it, he built the altar with the 12 stones that apparently was once there as an altar, and was... Um, prepared the, the sacrifice. He even dug a trench around the altar and he had it doused with water. 
three times it was dosed with water. Now appreciate that, that comment because they are on the top of a mountain and they were in the third year of a drought. And so this was, this was no significant thing. And then Elijah prayed. O oh Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are the God of Israel and that I am your servant, having done all that you have, all the things that you have commanded. Answer me, O oh Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God. And that you are turning their hearts back again. And the scripture tells us, Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the soil and licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The people were called back to a recognition of the Lord being God. And yet it's so easy for us to get distracted and to wander off and to, to, to not, not abandon maybe, but lose sight of the wonderful privilege we have of God being our God. How we need to keep this before us, that the Lord, he is God. But the second response is, and we are invited not only to recognize that, but respond to that as God being our Lord. Here things get much more personal. The Lord is our creator. It is he who made us, it says in Psalm 100, verse 3. Where did we ever get the expression, he's a self-made man? It's most certainly not biblical. The first time, the, the, the first line in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth. The Bible describes how God spoke the universe into being in the first three chapters of the book. And this is supported throughout God's word. In Psalm 33, starting at verse 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters into the sea, sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Also in Isaiah 45, for this is what the Lord says, he who created the heavens, he is God. He who, he who, who fashioned and made the earth, he formed it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He said, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Jeremiah 10, God made the earth by his power. He founded the, the world 
by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. And it's not just this testimony throughout the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament as well. In John 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. In Ephesians 3, God created all things. And what, what Pastor Darrell read this, mor- this morning earlier in, in Colossians 1, he, referring to Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Thus we were created by God. We are part of his creation. But there is more than that. Psalm 100 verse 3, Know that the Lord himself is God. He has made us and not we ourselves. We are his. Appreciate that the Psalms came to the Jewish nation, God's chosen people, through whom he was going to reveal himself to the world. That was God's plan, to reveal himself to the world through this chosen people. And those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior have been grafted in to God's family, to this chosen by adoption. So we're not only his by creation, as God is owns us rightfully from his creation, we are his people through redemption, meaning we have been bought back. In 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You were not your own. You were bought at a price. So we are his. We're his on the basis that he created us, he made us, and so ownership is there, but we have been separated from him because of sin. God sent his son to redeem us, to buy us back, to restore us into fellowship with him. So as the children of Israel are God's chosen people, so also those who come to him in bended knee and surrender and receive the, the, the redemption that is offered, we become part of his family as well. <coughs> Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your works produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, 
loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture, Psalm 100, verse 3 says. He is our good shepherd. He knows our needs. He protects us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Oh, sometimes we think we know what we need, or at least we are pretty sure we know what we want. But what we want is not always good for us or according to what God has in store for us. But God's will is good. It is wonderful. I'm sure Pastor Steve would not choose to go through what he is going through at present. But God can so greatly use that for his glory. Sometimes our wants, our wishes, our wills even go contrary to God's plan, to his will. We live in a way that can reject or at least refuse to acknowledge God's place and position in our lives as we pursue the things that this world paints as, as this is what you need, this is what you really need to have to be happy. And it may not be God's provision or God's will or God's blessing at all. Got a question. Can we invite Jesus to be our Savior and not our Lord? Some say no. That when we are convicted by our sin and what he has done for us, we can, we can accept his love and sacrifice and then continue to live as he would, as we would please. Others would say, because we have a freedom to choose, we can, though rewards and blessings may be few. But isn't that just the way of the natural man? How close we want to live, as close as we possibly can, to the edge of sin, to the edge of temptation. But we don't want to fall. We don't want to yield to that. How much can we get away with and still claim to be in good fellowship with God? But listen to what God's plan for us says. For I know the plan I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me 
with all your heart. How can we not want that? Hear the psalmist's final words in Psalm 100. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Says that he is good. He is love. He is faithful. What a tender testament of who God is to us. When one is good, there is not wrong harm detected in him. When one is love, he wants the very best for the objects of his love. He can be depended upon. When one is faithful, there is no fluctuation or change in his character, in his purpose. God is good. God is loving. God is faithful. What an amazing description of our God, our Lord. It is not enough merely to recognize that the Lord is God. We must have a proper response to him. Isaiah saw <clears throat> Isaiah saw that the Lord <clears throat> excuse me the Lord is high and lifted on the temple uh, lifted up in the temple and he responds with humility and confession and he experienced cleansing and forgiveness and receives a commission to serve Thomas was granted the privilege of an experience with the resurrected and living Christ. As Thomas didn't, indicated that he would not believe unless there was actual physical proof in which God revealed that to Thomas. And his response to this recognition was the declaration, my Lord and my God. When Paul was encountered by the living Savior, he had a radical transition. His life was totally turned around. The conversion experience ought to be something more than just a recognition of who Jesus Christ is, our Savior. As we grow in him, we must come to respond to him as Lord in our lives, in our homes, in our social activities, in our business practices, in, in every facet of our life. For years I've been trying to minister and share to a couple men who have, have come into my life and um, and they, they all have indicated their belief in God. But I have not seen any indication of any fruit in any of them. They believe that, yes, God exists. 
but it hasn't changed their life. So what place does Jesus have in your life? Is he Lord? Or is he conveniently placed where we can call upon him in need? But he really isn't in charge. Serious questions. Serious to consider. Because that's what God desires from us as his children. As I close my portion of the service and prayer, the worship team will be coming up and to be leading us, transitioning us to what an amazing instruction we have. Communion table, which is to continue to keep us reminded as to why we have access into the very presence of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you, thanking you that, that you are God. You have revealed yourself to us in, in no uncertain ways, and we can testify of your goodness to us. We can testify of our knowledge of you, our experience with you. We believe that you are good and loving and faithful, and we praise you for that. We know that you are personal, that you know the challenges in which we face. You are the source of the blessings that we enjoy. We are your children. You are our God. And we humbly bow before you with gratefulness for the revelation that you have opened our eyes to, to know you. Lord, continue to minister to us that we might be found faithful in your sight. We bow before you as your children in the amazing name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's uh, stand as we sing. You may have a seat.